The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. LinkedIn News. Hi there. For those of you just joining our community, I am so glad to have you here. And for all of you who've been around a while, thank you. Thank you for being a part of In the Arena. Our show and our work have grown so much this past 12 months, and that growth has helped us all understand what you love hearing from us and from our guests. I am excited to keep making each episode feel more specific to what matters to you. And in doing that, we realized we're giving you tons of knowledge, but also super accessible tools to help you improve your life every single day. So we're doing a thing. Coming your way in season six this September, we'll be renaming our show to, drumroll please, Every Day Better with Leah Smart. I can't wait to give you more episodes where I share the studio with amazing humans having better conversations that'll improve your life. So look for us in September with a new name and some new cover art that I am obsessed with. See you soon. What am I doing because I think I quote unquote should? And what am I doing because I can't not? Hey everyone, from LinkedIn News, this is In the Arena, a podcast exploring human potential. I'm Leah Smart, and every week you'll find me right here in conversation with bright minds and brave hearts learning how we can improve our lives and our world by transforming ourselves. So I love personality assessments, and if you know this show, you probably know that I'm certified in the Enneagram and I am obsessed with it. (laughs) The Enneagram is a personality typing system that has really transformed the way I see myself and other people in my life and those I interact with, and it's helped me build so much empathy for myself, for the people that I love, and clarity on how I can be the best version of myself. So I like to share things like this with people to give them some form of insight into how to improve. And today we're not talking about the Enneagram. We're actually talking about a system that I didn't know as well, but is a really powerful typing system called human design. And Alexandra Cole is our guest. She is a human design expert, the co-founder of Purpose Generation, And she's the author of a book called The Purpose Playbook. So she's going to tell us more about this system and how we can use it to our advantage. She calls human design like a mix of the Enneagram and birth charts or birth chart readings. So it's really about how you both understand, maintain, and restore your energy, as well as how to better understand your personality. I think some people will love it. Some will totally not love it. Others will end up somewhere in the middle. It doesn't really matter to me. I say take what you need and leave the rest. There's always something interesting and worth exploring. So today is all about giving you some insight to improve yourself and improve your relationships. And Alexandra walked us through an overview of the system using my chart as a way to explain how we can all kind of get it. And luckily, according to human design experts like her, my energy type represents about 70% of people, which means if you're listening, you are very likely to get something good out of this conversation. I found this one really interesting. It gave me some ahas about how to make sure I'm always full of energy 
how I can be better about setting boundaries that honor what I need, and how to follow what lights me up in my work and everywhere else. All right, let's get into it. I often describe it actually as a hybrid between astrology and something like the Enneagram, because while it has a very woo component into how it came to be, and it does incorporate several more ancient systems that have a certain kind of faith or spiritual basis, the information that you get from your human design chart is incredibly practical. And my whole focus is on how to apply that. I actually have a background in strategic consulting. So I am a very... I saw you roll your eyes there. No nonsense <laughs> person. Well, I think if you would have asked people 10 years ago, if I would be doing something like human design coaching, probably 10 out of 10 people would have laughed and said, absolutely <laughs> not. So I understand you skeptics. And the only reason I am here and I'm still practicing this and working with people using this tool and the system is because I've seen the incredible impact that it can have on people's lives and how they operate and move through the world. So that being said, human design, you really want to think about it as a science and spiritual tool that is focused on building self-awareness around the way that your energy is designed to move and flow and express itself in the form of gifts and interact with the world around it in the most effective way. So we are all made up of energy. I think that much has been proven. And based on kind of the energy of the cosmos, that exact moment that you took your first breath, the idea is that you were almost imprinted with this energetic thumbprint, right? Based on where all those planets were, there was a very unique kind of formula or expression of energy at that time. And that gives you what we call a almost like a roadmap or a blueprint, which is your human design chart. And it shows you how you are designed to express yourself most authentically and effectively, how you're designed to make decisions most authentically and effectively, interact with others, the way that your emotions are designed to operate and express themselves. It gives you so much, even down to how your digestion system extracts the most amount of nutrients from your food. I will start to describe some of the elements of this system, but ultimately the goal is to give you an awareness of how you're designed to invest energy in order to get the greatest return on that investment so that you can move through your life with more ease and more effortlessness. Because I think a lot of people believe theoretically that we all have this unique combination of gifts and interests and preferences, and that allows us to be these unique beings. And yet around the age of seven already is where scientists have found that kids start to pick up on the enormous amount of pressure that there is to conform, to do things a certain way, to live up to certain expectations. And obviously this varies based on where you grow up, what culture you're in, what type of family you're in, but there is always this pressure to conform. And from that moment onwards, because humans are innately driven to want to be loved, that makes us want to fit in. And so we start to move away from our authentic original blueprint and take on other qualities or try and fit this mold that is laid out for us. 
And that is where we start to encounter resistance. And sometimes it feels like you're banging your head against the wall. It's just a little harder than you anticipated it being. And the idea is that when you fully understand your human design chart and can really operate in alignment with the way that your unique energy is designed to move and express itself, you're going to feel that flow state, right? You're still going to encounter challenges in life, but they are going to feel more fulfilling and more purposeful. And they're going to feel like those challenges are meant for you. So this system is a blueprint, essentially. And how many blueprints are there? Like how many are there of us? Oh, billions. <laughs> billions okay. of blueprints, because there are so many different layers to this chart. Okay, so yeah, when I looked at my chart, I was like, what am I looking at here? There's a million different numbers. There's all these different pieces that we're going to talk about. Um, but to start with, there are blueprints that we each have. And the idea of having the blueprint is to understand more about yourself, your energy, and how to basically optimize how you experience, regenerate, and express your energy in the world. Beautifully said. Okay. Yes. Okay, so I love your point about the flow state. This idea that there is a place we can get to where you just know you're like in alignment and things are going to happen or hit you from the outside world. But you have this almost fortification because you've been intentional about how to work with the energy you have based on your design chart. Yes, exactly. Okay. So... Where do we begin? For our listeners, you're going to hear Alexandra talk about some of the different charts and types. Yeah, the energy types. It's all types. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So just like with the Enneagram, there's a foundational way of categorizing at least people's energetic operating systems. And I often describe the energy type as the outer layer of the onion. So there are so many more deeper layers that get into personality and gifts and so forth. But fundamentally, the first thing you need to understand and grasp is how is your energy designed to operate? How are you designed to invest your time and energy in order to get that greatest return on the investment? And there's five types to start with, but I recommend you put in your birth details. You need your birth time, date, and place. And, and don't mess around with that. I, don't I remember mess around putting with in that. like 645 in the morning once and Dr. Freed called me and was like, this is wrong. <laughs> So don't she mess knew. around with that time. She knew. <laughs> so it depends because on certain days, planets and certain planets move faster than others. And so in certain days, you can get away with maybe having a two hour difference and your chart is still somewhat similar. But on other days, 10 minutes is going to make a massive difference. So mm. the more precise you can be with the time, the better. So you'll look up your chart. And then the first thing that you'll see at the top of this section that says chart properties. So you'll have this very complicated looking diagram, which you talked about. Don't worry about that for now. And then at the top of a section called chart properties, you'll see something that says energy type. And there are these five different potential energy types. And I'll very briefly describe them. There's a lot of information here, but I'll try and touch on them pretty succinctly. So let's start with generators because you and I are both a generator and generators make up about 30 to 35 percent of the global population. And that's one of the largest cohorts. And that's because generators are 
very much the motors of society. We have what we call a sacral motor. So our gut, also known as the sacral center, if you're familiar with the chakras, our gut is our kind of most important hub. It's our creative life force. And we have this consistent humming motor that lives in our gut that allows us to apply ourselves to things very consistently. We have this enormous, sustainable well of energy, and that allows us to really become these executors, these doers. We're the ones who make things happen and move things forward in that very sustained way. Now, generators are blessed with this motor that almost self-charges overnight. So let's say we wake up and we really wake up with this full tank of energy. We're energized. We're ready to take on the day. And then throughout the day, we expend that energy in typically a very moderate way. And then when it's all gone, we go to sleep, we wake up and we feel energized again. (laughs) We take that for granted. Okay. So there are other types that I'll describe that might wake up and feel completely depleted, right? Their energy ebbs and flows a lot more than ours. However, the key is that for a generator to be able to get that battery to full charge and really reach that full potential of their creative life force and their ability to energize others and make things happen, they have to be investing that time and energy in things that light them up, that really spark joy and excitement in their gut. And in this ideal world, life is like a buffet for generators. Our only job is really to Notice what our body, what that sacral center responds to with excitement. So imagine life is a buffet and first, let's say a ham and cheese sandwich comes by and you're like, eh, not feeling a lot of response. And then a pokeball comes by and you suddenly get this like jolt of, oh my gosh, yes, I want that. For a generator, it is so important to connect to that gut and really start to focus on as much as possible investing all your time and energy in the things that are that full body hell yes. This sounds really easy, but it's a lot harder because of this kind of energy that you exude, right? That you can get things done and make things happen. So from a very young age, typically people try to take advantage of that and they'll just keep piling things onto your plate because they know when I give something to Leah, it gets done. And she seems to have a lot of energy because she'll wake up and she'll still be able to keep pushing it forward. So they keep piling things onto your plate and you start to almost associate your self-worth and your value in the world, especially how you're valued by other people based on how much you are doing. So a good day becomes, oh, a productive day. That's a good day. And so when you are faced (laughs) with this opportunity (laughs) to choose between the ham and cheese sandwich and the poke bowl, even though you want the poke bowl, you're like, yeah, but that other person who made the ham and cheese sandwich is going to be so happy if I eat that instead. So I'm just going to go for that. And you start to fill your proverbial plate with things that are, they're not super exciting to you. They're okay. And the more you do that, the more you are limiting your potential. Because at some point, there's going to be no space for the stuff that really excites you and lights you up anymore. Because you are filling that plate with all of the mess. Um, And you will notice that 
your energy, which is supposed to be vibrant and alive and almost unlimited, starts to actually wane to the point that you are also kind of tired when you wake up. And that for a generator is really a sign that they need to take a step back and reevaluate, like, how am I spending my time? Who am I spending my time with? And are these things a hell yes or have I compromised on that? question for you because you said a large population of people are generators so I imagine that a lot of people listening today are probably generators in the Enneagram there's two growth paths but what happens when you're in the upside of generator so there's a sign for each type that you are living out of alignment and then a sign that you are living in alignment so the sign for generators that they are living out of alignment is what we call frustration And it's frustration in kind of the most obvious sense of the word, but it's also frustration of energy where it feels like stuck, stagnant energy. The sign that you are living in alignment, what you're growing towards as a generator is satisfaction. And it's that sense of deep contentment. I am exactly where I'm supposed to be. And that the satisfaction that almost elicits, like when they eat something they really love, they'll make noises. That's a very sacral thing. I call them satisfaction breadcrumbs. The path to growth for a generator is paying attention to those little micro moments that you feel satisfied, that you truly almost feel this sense of peace of, I don't need to do or push, right? I'm satisfied where I am right now. And pay attention to who are you with? What are you doing? What environment are you in? Because all of those things are just indications of what you need and want more of in your life, which is going to require better boundaries, really being good at discerning what is a hell yes and what is an eh and a no. And you can no longer settle for that like being fine. It's honoring that and truly believing that you are going to be more valuable to yourself, but to everyone around you when you're able to get yourself to that optimal capacity. And that is going to require you to be more mindful about how you're investing your time and energy and with whom. We're taking a quick break. When we come back, you'll hear more about the energy types and how they work with Alexandra Cole. The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. In the last 100 years, we've seen financial markets swing, new currencies come and go, decades of savings lost in days, all showing that a retirement plan without a guarantee, quite simply, isn't enough. So more than a retirement plan, TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life, a promise that pays off. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. And we're back with Alexandra Cole, COO of Purpose Generation and author of The Purpose Playbook. The next type is a manifesting generator. And this is a hybrid between the generator that I just described and the manifester. Mangens are very similar to generators. So you can copy paste a lot of what we just described in terms of how their energy works. So they too have this gut, this motor that allows them to apply themselves in very sustained ways. They're supposed to invest their time and energy in the things that light them up. And they're also looking for the frustration and the satisfaction as kind of the two cues as to where they are on that spectrum. The difference is that manifesting generators move a little quicker. They are very fast and they are really here to show us that life is not meant to be 
linear. They like to zigzag and skip steps and then maybe go back a step. So they're incredibly multi-passionate, multi-talented people. And they find that that gut, that excitement is pulling them in lots of different directions. I sometimes liken them to honeybees, right? Where they're really flying from flower to flower, cross-pollinating as they go, but they're not really meant to stick to one flower for too long because they'll get bored and all of those other flowers will miss out on what they have to offer. So job hopping, for example, is actually really good for manifesting generators because they will kind of tap out of what they might learn from a particular job much quicker than someone else might. And this is where you can start to see this kind of tension with the world that we live in because society tells us, don't job hop, that's bad. You need to stay loyal. You need to stick to something for 20, 30 years. And there's this manifesting generator who's secretly dying inside, but forcing themselves to stay in this job for as long as possible, just hang on. And they're becoming a shell of who they might be if they allowed themselves to just trust and follow that excitement to whatever comes next. So by the way, manifesting generators make up another 30 to 35%. So altogether, that cohort is 70% of the population. And so you can imagine how a lot of our world is built for that generator type of system. For example, in a professional setting, a nine to five workday, that is a generator workday right? Because we have the energy to sustain ourselves through eight hours of work. A manifester or a projector, which are two of the other types, they're not meant to work eight-hour days. One, a projector can actually get a lot more done in three or four hours than they would in eight hours if they're forced to sit there and slowly kind of suffocate. And a manifester, the way that manifestors' energy works is it has these big peaks and valleys. So manifestors are here to be the trailblazers. Manifestors are really here to initiate to create movements where the generators are kind of the people who execute and follow through. Manifestors are the big visionaries that kind of like set the tone. And because of that, they are really designed to follow energetically, follow their urges. So manifestors will out of nowhere get this sudden urgent need to do something. It'll be like, I have to fly to Thailand or I have to start this thing or I have to adopt a dog. And it'll be so sudden and they'll get this massive burst of energy around it, right? That's that peak. They'll feel super energized and they can literally move mountains in those moments. But they give their all and then they'll come crashing down on the other side because once they've kind of gotten that rocket ship launch, so to speak, they have to rest and reset. And in an ideal world, they'll be so proud of what they just accomplished that it's a very peaceful heaviness where they might not get out of bed for three days, but they feel really good about the effort that they just put into that thing. So each of these types has a strategy. And for generators and manifesting generators, it's about that responding from the gut, from excitement. For manifestors, it's informing. Because manifestors can move so quickly and they are such big people and personalities a lot of the time, it's really important for them to communicate what they're doing and where they're going. It is not, however, asking for permission because the Achilles heel of a manifester is caring too much about what people think and whether people agree. Because for manifestors to really play that role of initiating 
those movements and being a pioneer, they have to be able to just do their thing. They need a degree of freedom. They can't feel like they're being micromanaged or watched or that people are criticizing them because that is going to make compromises on that big vision and where they're going. And Unfortunately, a lot of manifestors, because as kids, they're very independent and they're very, in a way, triggering, right? Because manifestors are only 9% of the population for a reason, because if everyone was a manifestor, it would be chaos, right? <laughs> everyone would be like off doing their own thing. And so because they have a little bit of that as kids and they can trigger parents a little bit, parents try to protect them because they love their kid and they're like, don't be so big, right? Don't don't say that. And so they make a manifestor feel like they need to be smaller than they actually are. And so I meet a lot of manifestor clients who are massive people pleasers because they have been conditioned or taught to prioritize other people's acceptance over their own urges and what they really feel like they need to do. And the informing helps because the more that you can communicate what you're doing and where you're going. So you call your friend, and you're like, hey, I just bought a ticket to Thailand just so you don't freak out when you try and reach me tomorrow and you can't. You can take them along on this journey because mm. you you are much bigger and a faster moving entity than they might be. So my boyfriend's a manifester and he moves and he's built a business. He has his own thing. He is like different than everyone else in his industry. And it all makes sense the big energy. He can manage all of these things quickly. He processes very quickly where like I don't. And I know we'll talk a little bit more about the rest of the chart, but I tend to be that I have to sleep on it, walk away from it. I'm slower to come to a conclusion, even though it's interesting you said the gut piece. I'm like, I definitely know my gut, but there's still a part of me that's like, maybe it depends on the context. That's because you have a triple split. And I won't get into too much detail, but what this means is that you almost have three little competing ecosystems living within you. So you've Great. got your gut, <laughs> yeah. then you've got your intuition that's connected to your ego. So that's also very much of this inner knowing what is best for you what feels like your heart is in it. Mm -hmm. And then you have your head center that's connected to your throat. So you have also this very active mind. Mm -hmm. So for you, it's like every time a decision comes up, those three ecosystems have different opinions and they all need to align and come together before you can actually move forward in what feels like for you an aligned way. Whereas other people, for example, they are like one internal system. And so for them, it happens really quickly. So your boyfriend might not only be a manifester, but if all his internal compasses are all connected, that means he doesn't need anyone to weigh in on what he's doing. He's just gone there already. Interesting. So we have projector left, right? Yes. Projectors are really here to observe and look at the world and see things that other people don't see and bring efficiency and optimization. Projectors energy ebbs and flows as well, but it's more subtle than a manifester. And projectors don't have their own internal energy source. And so most projectors are very dependent on the people around them in order to get that type of sustained energy. And so they're very sensitive to environment. But because the projector energy ebbs and flows, it is really important for a projector to make sure that when they commit to something, there is going to be a tangible result or outcome. 
And because of that, the strategy for a projector is what we call waiting for the invitation. It means that a projector is designed to really be a little bit more passive and almost sit back and wait for life and opportunities to come to them, wait to be called out. Because when they wait for the invitation, that guarantees that the person on the other end or the project is ready for their wisdom, is ready to actually do something with what they have to say because there is nothing more frustrating for a projector than seeing exactly how a problem needs to be fixed, telling the person and then it going right over their head or the person's in denial and they're not ready to do anything with that. That is really frustrating for a projector. A lot of what gives them this feeling of being valued is appreciation and recognition. And so it's really important for a projector that when they do apply themselves, that there's that potential for recognition and appreciation. Their energy, the ebb and flow, means that they can apply themselves in a very kind of focused, intense way for two or three hours at a time. And then after that, they also, just like manifestors, need to rest and recharge. Their intervals are typically a little bit faster. And for projectors, that happens best when they're alone, because whenever they are around someone, they are picking up on their energy. For example, my husband is a projector and I used to take it so personally when he just needed a Saturday by himself on the couch. I'm like, I can sit on the couch and watch Netflix with you. He's like, no, that's not the same, right? Because even if I'm sitting there, his body is constantly like, oh, does she need anything? He's just constantly absorbed in me, whereas I can just sit there and not pay any attention to him. And so understanding that about the way he operates helped me so much. And now I encourage it. I notice when he's getting a little flustered or bitter, the sign that they're out of alignment, I encourage him to take time alone. And then the sign that they are living their design for projectors is success. And and usually it's that tangible success, something that they can point to and be like, I was part of that. That's really where a projector shines. The last type, I'll keep this very brief because they're one to 2% of the population are reflectors. And reflectors, if projectors are sensitive to the environment, reflectors are their environment. They literally, they're mirrors of their environment and they are constantly reflecting whatever energy is present in that moment in time. So when you're sitting down with a reflector, it's like they're reflecting yourself back to you. And when reflectors date people, they almost start dressing like that person. They start liking all the same things as that person because <laughs> they are constantly evolving. It's really important for them to stay present because as soon as they start to try and label themselves or compare themselves or project into the future of what might happen, they stop being able to be that perfect reflection and mirror for where they're at. And who they are is constantly changing based on who they're with, what type of setting they're in. And they're really supposed to be our gut checks for what's going on in the world and how the world is doing or how a community is doing. It's really challenging sometimes to be a reflector because from one moment to the other, you can feel drastically different just depending on whether you're with a projector or with a reflector or with a generator. It really affects you. And so for reflectors, the kind of sign they're out of alignment is disappointment because that happens when they try to attach to something, right? When they try to predict something or label something and then it doesn't end up working out or when they have expectations of something. So that's why that just staying present is so key for them. And then where they're moving towards. So the sign that a reflector is in alignment with their design 
is surprise and delight. So that is truly the key for reflectors. But they ultimately can be the wisest of us all. And it's such a small percentage of the population. You said one to two percent. Okay. Yes. Is there any way to know when you're with someone what they likely are? Or is it like the don't guess who you're hanging out with? Or does it matter? There might be people in your life where you can tell, but it depends on how true they are to that authentic energetic programming, right? Because you meet a lot of projectors who feel like they have to live like a generator. So who are like forcing themselves to keep going, 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 but you might not know how exhausted they are underneath it all, right? Until they burn out. Manifestors, I can usually tell when they're living their design because you instantly feel this charge. And again, they can trigger people sometimes in the best way, honestly, but I try not to predict too much when it comes to that. There's other parts of the chart that are more easy for me to really know someone to guess at, but energy type is one of those things where someone really has to be living their design in order to guess correctly. To get it. Okay. I'm sitting here with my chart and thank you for that description. I think whenever I do episodes like this, I want people to feel like they're getting a taste of what they can understand. And then hopefully there's some curiosity for you about how to go deeper into this and why to go deeper into this, which Alexandra's explained. But Alexandra, from my chart, what would you tell me if I were a client that you were trying to support in their own self-development journey? I would say related to these energy types, first and foremost, really embrace your type and start to consider how you might be more intentional with how you're investing your time and energy, the type of rest that you might need. Because I think we all, whether we're aware of it or not, we do feel constant pressure to do things a certain way. And so we've been very conditioned from young ages based on who our parents were, right? If 70% of the world is a generator type, the chances that you have at least one or two of those in your family are pretty major. And if you're a projector who's constantly around generators that are going, 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 and don't understand your need to take breaks and rest in between, you're going to grow up living that way, but something's going to feel off. So I would say experiment with it, even if it feels foreign to you, even if you're like, this isn't right. Experiment with using your energy in that way for a day, for a week. And I guarantee you that you will probably feel a greater sense of the flow that we were talking about, just more ease and effortlessness. And there's going to be a million reasons you immediately come up with, of, oh, I can't just work three hours a day. Like, obviously, that's not going to work. But what if you could, right? What if there was a way? What if you could get creative about how you showed up for those different parts of your life? Hmm, I love that. And then anything else, when I'm looking at my chart, there's so much in here. I imagine beginning as a generator, one of the things that I've noticed, and I don't know if this has to do with being a generator, but I am at my best when I'm waking up in the morning and I am immediately meditating or going for a run. And there's a very specific routine of things that happen. And it happens at the same time every morning. Now, some people could just say, well, yeah, everybody loves routines. But what you've just described tells me that they don't. And I know that from being with a manifestor, that's not the case. But I am, alarm goes off, you pop out of bed, you get moving, get energy out, quiet, and then start the day. So that feels like a nugget of something that if someone were to walk away and they are a generator, that they could go, oh, got it. That's something I should be thinking about. 
Totally. And again, there's so many layers to this that there's going to be generators that they feel the energy, but they aren't as disciplined as you. So you are someone who, based on your chart, actually has a good degree of discipline. So you're able to get up and actually focus that energy on something, whereas someone who doesn't have that discipline might feel that, but not really know what to do with it or not apply it in as consistent of a way as you are to the same thing, let's say. Another big part of the chart that I love to look at is people's profile. And so there's 12 different potential profiles, and this will be in that chart property section. Each profile consists of two numbers, and each of the numbers represents an archetype, okay? So yours is a three, five. The three archetype is the person who, it's really the great experimenter, the person who learns from the school of life, who learns by doing, who has to kind of roll up their sleeves, get their feet wet in order to actually learn the lesson or understand something. And so sometimes threes can feel like their life is a lot more up and down than other people's lives, right? You're like, why do I keep having to learn these lessons the hard way, right? Fall down, get back up, brush yourself off and keep going. But that's because that's the way you learn. It's like the world is your sandbox. The five archetype is the challenge solver, the savior. Fives are people who naturally just exude this energy of I can help you. And so people really gravitate towards fives as this like savior figure. But fives are people who feel others' expectations really keenly and they hate to disappoint others. So fives also have the potential to be these like major martyrs. So when you combine those two numbers, you see that you're probably going to be someone who is always learning from the school of life and then trying to take those lessons and help others with the lessons that you learned. But what happens with a 3-5 is I use this analogy of being a duck a lot where on the surface, what people see is you gliding along. Everything's working out for Leah. They don't see that under the surface, you're this three that's just like kicking your legs so hard to try and stay afloat, right? There's a lot going on that people can't see. And so for me, whenever I encounter a three, five, I'm always like, make sure that you have people in your life that can see under the water because most won't. Most will have no idea what's going on or how hard you're working or what you're dealing with in order to be able to be so composed above the water, but at least have one or two people that can see that, even if you have to kind of drag them under there because it won't be as obvious. That's a really great point. I like that metaphor. I'm like, yes, that app, that checks out. Yeah. Yes. A lot more going on where most people who meet me go, oh, my God, you just seem so stable and like secure. And I'm like, yes, I am. But also <laughs> there's more to this world. Yeah. Yes. Yes, exactly. So those profile numbers, look into those. I have obviously a number of posts and there's podcasts about them, but those are also a really important thing when it comes to your chart because they describe the personality piece. They really describe how you see yourself and how other people see you. The first number is the number that is typically you're more aware of, that you yourself are aware of. And the second number is how other people see you. Alexandra, I would love to have you back. There's so much in this chart. Like, there's so much to talk about. That's why there's entire podcasts about human design. What's something you want to leave everybody with? We all have these unique blueprints, unique preferences and interests and energetics for a reason. So the more that you can own those things the easier it's going to be for you to live your purpose and feel fulfilled by life. I love that. I'm going to have you answer these three statements. So better humans are. Self-aware. Better work is. 
personalized. And a better world has. Purpose-driven people. Love that. Thank you so much, Alexandra, for joining. I could sit with you and learn about this all day. It's fascinating, and I would love to have you back. Yes, thanks for having me. That was Alexandra Cole, co-founder, author, and human design expert. One big thing before we go. I found there are two schools of thought when it comes to personality typing systems like these or charts. There are the people who totally buy in and the people who are completely out. I have friends and family members on both sides. And I'll say that I believe we suffer in the extremes on either side. If you're like me, you want to believe it all, you believe in magic, you want to use it to guide you, and that's great, good on you. But don't let it be your map. Instead, let it act as a compass. And if you're always skeptical of things like this, first, thank you for making it to the end of this episode. And second, how about just finding one thing you heard today that was insightful or valuable that you can apply? You never know where you'll find support or answers on your quest to reach your potential. So be open. If this conversation has you thinking about how to use typing systems like this as a compass, share it with someone else who is navigating a transition or has some important choices to make. You never know how this could help them. And support other people like you in finding our show by leaving us a rating before you go. Even better, write a one-sentence review telling me what you love about In the Arena. And as always, you can find me on LinkedIn writing about human potential and meaningful living. In the Arena is a production of LinkedIn News. Thanks to Zoe Kelsey for getting us in touch with the wonderful Alexandra Cole. The show is produced by Alexis Ramdow and Rafa Fariha. Asaf Gadron makes sure we sound good in the studio. Joe DeGiorgi mixed our show. Enrique Montalvo is the executive producer of LinkedIn Editorial Productions. Dave Pond is head of news production. Courtney Coop is head of LinkedIn Original Audio and Video. Dan Roth is the editor-in-chief of LinkedIn, and I'm Leah Smart. Thanks for coming with me, and I'll see you next week.